Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for August 15th, 2023. I'm teaching a series on the parables of Jesus. I started with the first parable. I call it the mother of all parables. It is the parable of the sower. So we've been studying this parable for over seven weeks. And as we've gone through it, I'm pretty much, I believe I've covered it, at least for now. And we're going to move on to another parable. Before we do, I want us to close out uh, this parable on the sower with a series of recaps. So this is the parable of the sower, recap number one. What we're going to do this morning is go back over the parable of the sower and, and recap some of the lessons that we've learned. Now, put in the chat right now, if you've enjoyed this series, if you've learned some things from the parable of the sower, go ahead and put that in the chat. Get ready to receive. Open up your heart to the word of God. All right. All right. Praise God. Let's go ahead and get ready for the word of God this morning. Let me just say this, because a couple of people in the chat have been talking about uh, signed copies of the book. I'm getting testimonies. I get testimonies all the time. You know, my latest book is a 28 day devotional called Grace Based Success. This past Sunday, somebody came up to me in church was like, hey, I just finished your book. Those 28 days were amazing. My life is already different. So to God be the glory. It's the word of God that changes our lives. So let's get into the word for this morning. Let me read for you uh, Psalms 126 and verse 4 is a scripture we've been looking at all year. I just want to keep putting this before you get this down in your heart. The Bible says, watch this, if you have any area of your life that's dried up, if you're not as excited as you used to be, you lost some zeal, you don't have the same passion. No, no, no. This is your season to get it back. Psalms 126 and verse four, the Bible says, now, Lord, do it again. Put in the chat, do it again. Restore us to the former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until dry hearts are drenched again. This is our season for dry hearts to be drenched again. So we've been looking at this parable. Let me read it for you again, even though we're about to close it out. Mark chapter four, beginning at verse 13. This is Jesus's explanation of the parable of the sower. He said, the farmer is like someone who plants God's word down inside of people. Now, sometimes the teaching falls along the path. That's like the people that hear the word of God, but their understanding is unfruitful. They're susceptible to Satan because they don't understand it. Satan comes immediately and snatches away the word that was sown in their heart. Other people are like seed that's planted on the rocky ground. These are the people that hear the word of God and they quickly and gladly accept it. They say, oh, amen. Go ahead. You better preach. But they don't allow the word of God to go deep into their lives. And as a result, as soon as trouble comes, a persecution comes because of the word. They're quick to give up. Other people like seed that's planted amongst the thorny weeds. These are the people that hear the word of God. But, you know, they've allowed their lives to become full of other things like the kids of this world, the love of money and everything else they want. So the word doesn't produce in their lives either. Now, some people are like good ground. Say I'm good ground. And then in the good ground, it produces a harvest, sometimes 30 times more, sometimes 60 times more, sometimes 100 times more. Now, all of that, I've broken it down for you in this series. And so what are we going to do today? We're going to give you a recap of some of what we've learned. And as we get into this recap, I want you to open up your heart to receive. You got it? All right. So number one, part of the recap, the power within the word of God will work for anyone who receives it, believes it, and applies it. So the word of God will work for anyone who believes it, receives it, applies it. Somebody say, oh, Brother Rick, man, uh, the word of God, I don't know about that. 
I don't know about that. I tried that faith thing and faith didn't work. <laughs> no, let me let me help you understand what happened. Faith tried you and you didn't work. No, the word of God works. If, if there's ever a problem between you and God, if there's ever a disconnect between you and God, if there's a problem, the problem is not God. The problem is with you. If there's an issue with the word of God, the issue is not with the word of God. The issue is with you. And so the power of the word of God will work for anyone, say anyone, anyone, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, rich, poor, male, female, young, old, slim or not so slim. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. The word of God will work for everybody. The word of God, there's power in the word of God and it will work for everyone who receives it, who believes it and who applies it. The parable of the sower puts a tremendous emphasis on God and his word. Everything in this parable is about the seed going down. It's the seed that's good, that's producing the change, right? So there's an emphasis on the word of God. The word of God is the seed in the parable, obviously. And so the emphasis is on God, his word, and the word that he gave us in the 66 books of the Bible and the word that he gives us through the Holy Spirit. It is the word of God that changes lives and there's power. Put in the chat, there is power in the word of God. There's power. Now, if the word of God is not working for you, this parable teaches us that there's no problem with the word. It was the same sower, the same seed in four different types of soil. There were varying different levels of results, but the issue was not with the sower. The issue was not with the seed. The issue was with the soil. So if the word of God is not working in your life, it's not because the word of God is void of power. No, there's power in the word. It is because you're not working the word. Put it in the, in the chat, say for the word of God to work, I need to work the word. I'm going to work the word. How do I work the word? It's faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I'm going to receive the word of God in faith. I'm going to mix the word of God with faith. Everything that I receive from God, I'm going to mix it with faith. I'm going to believe it in faith. I'm going to decree and I'm going to declare. I'm going to believe and I'm going to receive. I'm going to dream God-sized dreams. And then when the time comes and the Holy Spirit releases me, I'm going to provide corresponding action to the word of God. Say amen to that. Number two. The power within the word of God will attract opposition from the enemy. This is something I taught uh, already in this, in this series, right? Obviously, all of this is a recap. But in the second type of soil, the Bible says they quickly and gladly accept it. You know, they say amen real loud in church, but they do not allow the word of God to go deep into their lives. And as a result, as soon as trouble comes persecution comes, opposition comes, because of the word, they're quick to give up. So when the word of God is sown down into your heart, you should not be surprised when opposition comes because of it. When God gives you a word and you step out in faith, oh, I'm making a move. God told me to go here. I know God has already showed me what the end is going to be. Yeah, but God didn't show you what the interim was going to be. And in the interim, it might get worse before it gets better. In the interim, is the pressure, the devil will put pressure on you to give up, to cave in and quit. Put this in the chat. I have grace for the interim. Not only do I have grace to launch out, not only do I have grace to believe God for what the end is going to be, because he, he already showed me the end from the beginning, but I also have grace for the interim. And in the interim, I know that trouble will come, persecution will come, opposition will come. The devil will try to do everything that he can to get me to give up, cave in and quit, but I will not quit. That, that, put, it, put it in the chat. There's no quit in me. See, Satan is not going to idly sit by and watch as you maximize the word that's planted down on the inside of you. Now, if you're not doing anything, okay, well, then you're not a target. If you're not doing anything, then Satan doesn't have to worry about you, right? So, so 
Satan only attacks those that are worth attacking. So if nobody has your name in their mouth, let me say it this way. If you do anything of significance for the kingdom of God, there will be opposition. So people are going to have your name in their mouth and there will be opposition because you're doing something of significance. So we have an enemy and the enemy, Satan, will do everything that he can to get you to give up and to cave in and quit. Now, I've explained this to you before. It is worth repeating. Satan knows that he cannot stop you. Put in the chat, say the devil can't stop me. The devil can't stop me. Satan knows that he cannot stop God and Satan knows that he cannot stop you when you're walking with God. He knows he can't stop God. He knows he can't stop God's word. He knows he can't stop the Holy Spirit. So when you are walking with God, when you are standing on the word, when you're being yielded by, you know, the Holy Spirit, you're being led by the Holy Spirit, the devil knows he can't stop you. But if the devil can get you frustrated, disillusioned, in despair, meditating on the wrong things, battling thoughts of depression, okay, now he knows that if he can get you frustrated, you may give up. And if you give up, Satan didn't stop you. You stopped you. If you give up, Satan didn't stop you. You stopped you. And so the devil knows that the only way he can get to stop you is to get you to quit. Say this, I will not quit. Say there is no quit in me. So if you give up, Satan didn't stop you. You stopped yourself. So don't give up. Don't be surprised when opposition comes. If you get a significant word from God, there will probably be significant opposition from Satan. But you got to be okay with that. You got to embrace the grace to endure and to overcome. Say amen to that. Put, put that in the chat. Say, I have the grace to endure and to overcome. Put in the chat. There is no, no, no quit in me. All right. Number three, this is from the first type of soil. Your understanding of the word of God is critical, right? You will never maximize what you do not understand. You will never maximize what you do not understand. Having a word from God, but then not understanding it and not seeking to understand it is no better than being ignorant of that word. So if God spoke a word over you, but you didn't understand it and you never sought to understand it, then Satan is going to come and snatch it away. And it was, it was no different than you never having that word in the first place. Your level of understanding will impact your level of harvest. Put that in the chat. Say, my level of understanding will impact my level of understanding, uh, of harvest. My level of understanding is going to impact my level of harvest. This is why it does matter where you go to church. It does matter. It does matter who you allow to speak into your life. It does matter. You need people in your life that will break down the word of God in a way that you can see, hear, and understand. Because whenever you can see the word, hear the word, understand the word of God, you can be changed by that word that you see, hear, and understand. So if you don't understand a word from God, then that word is not is not going to produce for you, right? It's not going to produce a harvest. So you need a level of understanding. You got to seek wisdom and understanding. You also need a prophetic voice in your life. You need people that are speaking into your life that can speak the the, the things of God in the season of God, right? So the, the key about a prophetic voice is you need people in your life that can discern what heaven is saying for this season and can release it in a way that you see, hear, and understand so that you can walk. Of course, you need to hear from God for yourself as well, but you do need credible authority figures in your life that can release the word of God, break down the word of God, teach you the word of God, provide provide wisdom and guidance and tutelage. You know what that's called? It's called discipleship. 
God never called us to just get people born again. He called us to make disciples. So for you to be discipled, you need somebody that's helping you to understand the word of God and to walk in it. Say amen to that. And then lastly, let me just say this. When you open up the Bible, here's a reminder, the author of the book lives inside of you. So the Holy Spirit, the author of the book, he lives inside of you. So ask him to explain it to you. Be like, hey, Holy Spirit, what do you mean right here in chapter four? What did you mean in verse 17? Break it down for me, right? So listen to the author of the book. Put in the chat, the author of the book lives in me. Number four, while the same word is sown down inside of many, many people by the same God, you know, obviously this is what the parable is talking about. The results are going to vary based on the person who received it. So this is both a warning and a source of encouragement. It's a warning to every believer to be good ground. Say, I'm good ground. It's a warning that we need to be good ground, but it's also a source of encouragement. It's a warning to people to to be, hey, I need to be good ground, but it's also motivation for you and I, for those of us that are committed to the word of God, because for us, we we look at this parable not as a a tale of peril, a peril saying, oh, we're one of the first three types of soil, woe unto us, the word of God is not producing. No, we look at this parable And we get encouraged because we believe we're good ground. And we're like, hey, the word of God is going to work for us. And it's going to produce a harvest. It's motivation. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. We're believing God for 100. And so I want 100-fold. Put in the chat, I'm believing God for 100-fold. So we get a source of motivation because this parable is telling us that the word of God is going to work for everybody that works the word. So what we have to do, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, we have to check our hearts daily to see whether or not we're in the faith. And if we're in the faith, then this this parable is encouraging. It means that the word of God is going to work for every person who puts the word of God to work. The word of God works for me. You know why? Because I work the word. You got it? Number five. I'm taking my time this morning going through all of this. This is some good teaching. This is why you need to get the notes every day. Sign up. All right, number five. In a time when minds are constantly distracted, Your focus on the word of God matters. So this is from the third type of soil, right? These are the people that have the love of money, uh, the cares of this world, and selfish desires. They're distracted. They have competing priorities. The youth of today, we're in 2023. Um, I got tired of trying to get my kids to study, you know, by turning the TV off, turning off all distractions, just focus. And they say, oh, no, that's, you know, know, that's not how I study. I need to have the TV. I need to have... I need to have all this stuff. There are young people today that watch television, they play games on their tablet, and they text all at the same time, right? So they're doing all of this stuff. And it's hard, seems like, for young people today to slow down and to focus on one thing. But you know what? The Word of God sometimes does require for you to, to tune out all distractions and for you to focus on the Word of God, for you to meditate and medicate on the word of God. If you want the word of God to have maximum impact in your life, you got to meditate on the word. The distracted mind in this, you know, from this parable is, is unproductive soil. What you don't want to be is be distracted. You want to give the word of God the priority and the focus that it deserves. You must develop the discipline required to give God your undivided attention. Put in the chat, say, I give God my undivided attention. Divided attention is not the type of attention that God is looking for. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm talking to somebody 
if I believe that what I'm saying is important, I know my wife gets on me about this and I get on my wife about this. If I believe that I'm saying something that's important, I want you to look at me. If I'm talking to my wife and what I'm saying, I'm not just talking about normal conversation. If I'm actually talking about something that's important and she's on her phone, I stop talking. And she goes, babe, I'm listening. Like, nope. Mm -mm. Your, your attention is divided. So what I'm saying is, is, is too important to give it to somebody whose attention is divided. If you want to give me divided attention, I'd rather not share it. And then she goes, oh, puts the phone down. And then she looks at me. Then I get, now that I have your undivided attention, right? Okay, let's talk. And so God is looking. There are moments. Let's be clear about this. There are moments where God wants undivided attention. There are moments where, where God is like, no, no, no. I don't, I don't want you to be praying and watching TV. I don't want you to be trying to pray and watching YouTube. I don't want you to be listening to today's word and doing something else at the same time. Sometimes God wants, I'm not saying every day, but sometimes God wants your undivided attention. God doesn't want you, your attention towards him to be divided. He wants you to give him your attention. You know why? Because if you don't give him, I've taught you this before. If you don't give God your attention, then there may be circumstances and situations and conditions that happen that God permits to get your attention. So watch this. I put this in the chat. I would rather give God my attention than live in such a way where he has to get my attention. No, no, no. I don't want God to have to get my attention. I'm going to willingly give my attention to God. I'm going to give my attention to the word. I'm going to give my attention to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give the word of God and the Holy Spirit the priority that they deserve. Say amen to that. You must develop the discipline required to walk with God and to give God your attention so he doesn't have to get it. In this season, I pray through this parable that you've learned how to reshift and reprioritize your mind to give God the priority that he deserves so that you you can walk with a level of clarity and focus in life. You know why? Because I'm focused on God. I've given God my undivided attention. God has flooded my eyes with light. Now I'm able to walk in a level of wisdom and insight. You know why? Because I gave God undivided attention and he gave me in return clarity and focus. Say amen to that. Oh, I'm teaching better than you're saying amen, all right, in the chat. All right, number six, last point for today. Faith comes in response to God's grace. Faith comes in response to God's grace. So um, in this series, based on the word of God, I've done a lot of like faith refreshers, and this last point is like that. So you got to understand God's grace. God does everything by grace. Our faith. Um, I... So God does everything that he does by grace. Grace is unearned, unmerited, undeserved. Everything we do in response to God's grace, we have to do it by faith. So let me let me break this down. It's okay to come up with ideas. It's okay to come up with plans. God has, has graced you to be creative. God, I'm not telling you to stop making plans. But what I am telling you is that when you get plans, when you have plans, make sure you, you present those plans to God. Make sure you check with God before you move out. Make sure that you get clearance from the Holy Spirit before you launch out um, because we need to know if the idea came from us or it came from God. We need to know, is this my will or your will? and Or is this in alignment with your will, right? So we need to know if the idea 
that we're trying to launch out in is in harmony or in sync with the plans that God already made for us from the foundations of the world. Because if they are not, if the idea is not, if it was not birthed in the heart of God, if it's not in harmony, if it's not in sync, then no matter how good we think it is, it's a distraction. And it will we're running the risk of derailing ourselves from our destiny if we're pursuing things that God didn't plan for us from the foundations of the world. Adam and Eve were drawn away. They weren't drawn away by bad. They were drawn away by something they thought was good. When, when God told them that there was a tree in the midst of the garden and it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were not drawn away by the evil part. They were drawn away by the good part. They were drawn... Satan deceived them by saying, hey, if you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like God. Now, of course, side note, side note, the devil always tries to, he's conniving. He, he, he deceives people. He's trying to get you to pursue things that God already gave you from the foundations of the world, but do it the wrong way. They were already like God, but they were deceived. But my point is, Adam and Eve miss God, but they didn't miss God because they thought that we're pursuing something evil. They actually missed God by pursuing something that they thought was good. It was, they thought it was good, but it wasn't God. So here's my point. Satan for believers, most of you that are believers, Satan doesn't cause you to go astray by doing evil stuff. Satan causes a lot of people, believers, to go astray by pursuing things that they think are good. But it's... I don't want good things. I want God things for me. So if it's if it's something you think is good, but it's not good for you, if it's not a God thing, if it's not something that, that God planned for you from the foundations of the world, then it's a trap. It's a trap to get you outside of God's will. It might be good. It just may not be good for you because it's not something that God planned for you from the foundations of the world. If the project is not part of your purpose, then it belongs to somebody else. Okay, let me make sure you get what I'm saying. God made plans for you from the foundations of the world. So if, if there's a project out there, you say, oh, that's a good project. Great. But, but you got to check to make sure it's good for you. If it's not good for you, then that's somebody else's project. And if you get involved, you're going to waste valuable time, energy, and effort on something you're not supposed to be doing. So living by faith doesn't mean that you get to pursue anything you want. Living by faith doesn't mean that I, I can just do any good thing and just add in Jesus' name, right, to the end of it, or just find me a scripture and put a scripture on it, and therefore God has to bless it. No, no, no. God made plans for you from the foundations of the world. Your job is to find, follow, and finish those plans, to discover what he already what he already planned, to, to develop in it and to deploy into it, and it's all about him. If the grace is not there, then your faith cannot be there. When God reveals to you what he already planned for you from the foundations of the world, he's saying there's grace on your life for that. But if you start doing something else because your brother's doing it, your sister's doing it, your cousin is doing it, your friend in church is doing it. Now you're doing something that they may have a grace for. It may be good for them, but that do doesn't mean it is good for you. Oh, but it's a good thing. Yeah, but if it's not a God thing for you, then it's not good for you. You need to let people do, celebrate the diversities of giftings and callings without jealousy. In, in other words, you can't make 
God give you something that he didn't already give you from the foundations of the world. So if you start pursuing stuff that's not yours, you're outside of the will of God. You're in human effort. This is called self-effort. It's, called, it's not called faith. Don't, don't call it faith because you put in Jesus' name on it. No, faith comes as a response to God's grace. Where there is no grace, there can be no faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So in order for you to release your faith for it, you have to know that God's grace is already on, on you. To you know, It's already there. It's already yours. The soil never produced in this, in this uh, parable. The soil did not produce whatever it wanted. The soil only produced whatever the sower sowed into it. And so your life is not about selfish desires. Your life is about producing whatever the Lord sows into your life. And so this is the grace life. The grace life is all about, here's my mantra, the grace life. It's all about him. Lord, whatever you want is what I want. Whatever you plan is what I want my plans to be lined up with. And whatever I launch out to, I don't have competing priorities. My only priorities are what I believe that you already established for me from the foundations of the world. And so when I'm walking out, I'm walking out because I have the grace for it. I can release faith because God has already provided grace and my faith taps into God's grace and I become the man or the woman that God called me to be. Say amen to that. You got it? That's a revelation of God's grace and our faith. I said a lot in that. And I said a lot in this message. You might need to listen to it again. Let's close out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life. Did you get that? Put that in the chat, what you got out of that. All right, say this. Say, Father, this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. So I boldly declare that I walk in the fullness of everything you planned for me in 2023. The power of your word is my source and supply. My life revolves around and emanates from you, from your word, and from your, your purpose for my life. Satan's schemes crumble in the face of my unwavering faith. I discern and resist his tactics. I remain steadfast in you. I seek wisdom and understanding daily. I am led by your word and your spirit. The condition of my heart is fertile and your word produces a maximum harvest. Distractions fade away as I give you my undivided attention. I have the discipline to meditate and medicate on your word day and night. As I do, I receive divine clarity for life and living. I have the faith to respond to your grace. My heart is open to your plans. And I embrace the power to do what I could never do without you. Living this way, I know, greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. So please apply it and prosper. Now, if you're not getting these messages and you're not getting my notes, why would you not get the notes? You get the notes for free. Go to todaysword.org, sign up, click on the big red subscribe button. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. This was just a recap, but there was a lot in that recap. I hope that you got some out of this. I need you to do two things. Number one, leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you. Number two, share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. I love you. God loves you more greater. It's coming for you. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you.
If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program, and Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity, and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to write several books and journals to help people grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please go to rickpina.co if you don't have our material, and there's also apparel there as well. Listen, thank you for being a blessing to us. We pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you.